Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is uh, a day that we would usually just be breaking down the draft by conference and by team, and we will get to that. But this is going to be one of the more interesting maze in college football history. And uh, I couldn't think of anybody better than the Portal Authority himself, Max Olson, to come on as we record this. Today is the day, we're recording it on Sunday afternoon, that you must be in the transfer portal if you want to play somewhere else next season. So there may be some news after we finish recording. You may hear me time travel and hear something before this where I said, so-and-so jumped into the portal and so did mm-hmm. so-and-so. But you, you may hear me just go like, oh my God, in the exactly. middle of this. We'll see. We'll see. Exactly. Because Max has his finger on the pulse of the portal. And Jordan Addison is the guy that, that we're watching the closest, obviously. Pittsburgh wide receiver, won the Bolitnikoff Award last year. And as of Friday night, it appeared that he may be on the move. And, you know, somebody took a picture of him in, was that McCarran Airport in Vegas at the, uh, at the, at the baggage claim? So Look like I it. think he's going to UNLV, but <laughs> U- USC was the rumored uh, landing spot, according to our Bruce Feldman. And Ma- Max, this is, this is sort of what everybody, well, some people feared it. I think we just kind of expected it. I don't know if fear would have been the right word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when the transfer rules changed and and all, when we figured out what these NIL collectives would be and what they were doing, this this was a definite possibility and here we are. Yeah, I you know, I I saw a lot of uh crying going on on Twitter on Saturday morning. I was out running errands with the family, so I kind of missed most of it. Um, my favorite was Matt I, I think Berry, there's a lot right? of, Matt Berry, noted Arizona State fan. Yeah, talks about everybody screaming about this and 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 it ruining the sport because an Arizona State lost a player. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and the Arizona State one. Um, I, I I honestly like how do I put this? Like, I think there's going to be some people that say, "Man, we're only losing players because of NIL." And in some cases, that's true. And in some cases, you're probably like in a little bit of a denial about the culture problem you might have yeah. at Arizona State or something. Why would anyone want to leave Arizona State? I mean, it's not like they're shedding coaches like a snake sheds its skin. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, and yeah. It's not like their president and AD have come out with bass awkward views on NIL. <laughs> like, <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And they've got some clouds hanging overhead there yeah. a little bit. Um, I So I want to ask you, what was your beyond the initial shock? What was your on Friday night? or whenever what was your like initial gut take on on Jordan Addison potentially well we can say potentially going in the portal the USC part is is sort of a separate part of this yeah the USC part's a separate entity from this and and the question is how many people knew Jordan Addison was was potentially on the move i mean the, the big question here is the tampering thing and mm-hmm. and that's the the you know the rumor that we heard was that the pit coaches believe it's tampering and now look 
It sounds like I'm they've communicated accuse, that concern yes, to Lincoln Riley I, as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna accuse anybody of tampering here directly because let's th- this is part of the problem. Actually, we, let's start with this part. The tampering rules in the you know in the NCAA rule book, they're a level two violation. That's not the worst. Level one's the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a severe punishment for them. I would think personally, if I were the schools and I was looking at this new system and how it was working, I would make tampering like the worst thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. It could, yeah, and I mean, you can do that. Like nobody's yeah, sure. going to get mad at you punishing a millionaire coach for breaking a rule. Like, yeah, right. This is a question I've been asking for years, Andy, and even at you know like AFCA, and you asked Todd Berry and some of those folks, like, are there you know, is this an issue you guys care about as coaches? And I think you know uh, from talking to them, it's hard to get them on the record about tampering because they all on tamper. One, <laughs> on one hand, they want to say, "Let me tell you what's wrong with tampering." On the other hand. They want to reserve the right to tamper, so they don't want to be <laughs> exactly. the guy who's a hypocrite. And and yeah. you know, there's some some. It's like insider trading, right? Sometimes you get information you shouldn't have, and and you have to make that decision of do you want to talk to that kid or whatever. But I mean, I just had this yesterday from from recruiting coordinator hit me up and said, "Hey, this guy went in the portal. We think this school tampered with him." I, I've heard this many times over this portal cycle, and and I think the thing I wonder with that, first of all, we're, there's not like a lot of, there's no fear out there, right? Because there's really not precedent to say, oh man, remember when this school got really hammered they for tampering? They never get anybody for tampering. No. And, and let's let's be clear, tampering has been going on long before even the before transfer NIL. rules. I mean, come back, on, yeah, of course. Back, back when you had to sit out a year, when mm-hmm. everybody had to sit out a year for transferring if you hadn't graduated, there was still tampering going. Like, let's say you, you're a school, you're a, you're a college in a state that produces a ton of players. And a player from your state leaves the state, goes somewhere else. If he's not starting immediately as a freshman, you're on his parents and on his his high school coach. Like, hey, yep. does he want to come home? Yep. Well, and come and home. assistant coaches move around the country so much now that they're going to stay in touch with these families of guys they recruited and maybe only coached yeah. for a year and stuff like that. So those guys are going to kind of stay in your DMs and say, are you happy there? Are you, they're not playing you very much over there. And that... That kind of stuff, but I, your, girl, I, your girlfriend goes to school five miles away. <laughs> that's right. There, you want so me to go check in and say hi? There, there's no fear of it, and I, you know what? What can you do? Like you're right. You can up the penalty on it. You can make an example of somebody. I think that there's also the problem of I've heard a lot of cases of like, oh yeah, we heard. Well, you know, we've got this guy dead to rights. Well, well, do you have evidence? Well, no, we don't have a screenshot or, or something or like that. The and the burden of proof the, on that is, I think, pretty tough from the NCAA level. You can have level. a player run your communication, and they're not going to punish a player for that. Right. right. So, I mean, it, it, it's pretty easy to run your communication through a player if, now, if you're going to tamper with somebody. To you, like, you, if you, if you say... I, I've seen people put this out there that, okay, well, if Caleb Williams is recruiting Jordan Addison, then there's no harm done there. To, to me, I guess my take on that would be like, well, he's not, is he he's not going orders? rogue here, right? Is, like yeah, he's probably, right. probably yeah. going at the direction of the, uh, the, but, but the, the coach it, it, and Lincoln it, it, Riley's not going to give him a slap on the wrist for that. Yeah. And, well, and back in the old NCAA, when they would make plea deals, essentially mm-hmm. like bring Leo Lewis from Mississippi state and tell us what Ole Miss gave you. You get to keep all your eligibility. You can you can dump all the stuff on them, but just tell us. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to yeah. do that to make the player dime out his own coach. Like, I don't think that's going to work either. So, I, I don't. It, it's a weird situation, which we knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Now the Jordan Addison thing, 
I've been thinking about this since it happened because this really sucks if you're Pitt. It yep. really sucks. You had this great player. He had an incredible season. And you would hope that he can be one of your leaders this year. You, you just won the ACC. Like, you are riding high. Pat Narduzzi's signing extension. He's staying. But you also lost your OC. You yep. lost your receivers coach. Your quarterback's done. Now, you got a new quarterback in Keaton Slovis, but you don't know that he's Kenny Pickett. So if you're Jordan, if you're, if you're Jordan Addison... Why wouldn't you look around if you could? Yeah, I, I, you know, beyond the obvious like incentives here, do you think if you're Jordan Addison, you look at this and say, okay, I had, had a hell of a year. You know, people are telling me I'm a first round pick, probably going to be a first round pick. Is the, is it the question more of what do I have to do to ensure that I am or what do I have to do to sort of, can I, is there a move I can make here that, that you know, moves me up 10 spots or can, something can if I, I go to the right place? Can I bring out another name that you and I exchanged in text messages? That might make this make more sense. Okay, go ahead. I texted you after the draft ended on Saturday and said, if I had told you after that last Alabama-Clemson national title game, the one in Santa Clara, that Justin Ross would go undrafted, how quickly would you have called the cops to have me put (laughs) in a psychiatric hold? Like... No question. I would have said, so, Andy, that's a very strange thing to say about a kid that was a freshman and just won the dominated national title. Dominated Alabama yeah. in the national title game. Dominated them. Dominated them. You but never know, man. You never he know. He had a neck injury. So like, yeah. I get why he went undrafted. Like the NFL, if you're going to be careful about an injury, a, neck, a, a pre-existing neck injury, you're going to be really careful about. That's going to scare a lot of teams away. So yes. I get why he went undrafted. Yeah. But if you're Not, Jordan I would, Addison. I would, I would take five years of Justin Ross over 10 years of other guys. You know, exactly. That's just me. But if you're but if you're Jordan Addison and you just had this great year, that feels like a nothing is guaranteed kind of moment to me. Yeah. Yeah. I and, think that, and if you can cash in this year right now, why wouldn't you? For sure. For sure. And there's no, you know, you, you think back to a year ago and we, you know, look at where Sam Howell ended up. Look at where Matt Corral ended up. Look, I mean, even just the guys you talk about it in December, you say, hey, these guys are looking like first round picks or they had that potential. And that's just not how the process shakes out. You know, it's 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 very unpredictable. And, and you know, one little thing can kind of go wrong. So I, I think that's a fair point. I, there was a tweet by um, you. You alluded to him, Brendan Marion, the receivers coach mm-hmm. at Pitt, who's now at Texas. He posted this right before we started taping, and I, and I think it's a it's a good point. And and look, you can say, oh, he's just tweeting this because you know he wants Jordan Addison's attention and wants him to come to Texas. I'm sure he probably does. But he said he he wrote this on Twitter. Many may never understand how it feels to be the best and want to be compensated as such and be challenged to be even better. And that's probably the case for Jordan Addison. I yeah. I, I can't blame him for saying. You know, he, I, I'm the best receiver in the country, and we're in a time right now where the best receiver in the country has got to be worth quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in a time when receivers are worth quite a bit, there are really good receivers everywhere, game-changing. The game is changing in a way, especially at the NFL level, where receivers become so valuable, and, and you're watching, like you just watched A.J. Brown get paid. Hollywood Brown's going to go get paid now that he's been traded to the to the Cardinals from the Ravens. Like mm-hmm. those people got traded because the teams they were on didn't want to pay up, but knew someone else would. Right. So, yes, you you absolutely want to maximize your value. Now, is going to USC maximizing his value? 
is going to Texas maximizing his value, is going to Alabama maximizing. If you want to maximize your value, I would think Ohio State or Alabama would be the place. Well, do you want to go into that crowded receiver room at Ohio State? No, of course not. But <laughs> it's it's and it's funny because USC's already taken three receivers out of the portal this offseason. So if you're one of those guys, you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was going to get the ball. Or what here. about Miami? They got a quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke, and they've got it. The, the John Ruiz thing is amazing to me. John Ruiz, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, is a is a businessman. He's, a, I believe, an attorney in South Florida. He's created this company called Life Wallet. And he basically is paying Miami athletes to endorse Life Wallet. It's actually the straightest on NIL deal. Yeah. Like the least convoluted NIL deal there is. But it's clear what it is. Yep. And you they saw They even it. announced contract terms with the uh, with the, with the Pack, with basketball the, transfer. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and so if you listen to Friday's show, David Oven and I went deep on that because mm-hmm. it, it hasn't really happened in football. You had the, uh, the Jarvis Brownlee situation at Florida State where he held out of spring practice, wanted a better deal, wound up transferring to to Louisville. But the the Nigel Pack thing and, and Isaiah Wong thing was the the most public version of this where Isaiah Wong's agent basically says he's leaving unless he gets a better NIL deal. He wound up staying. John Ruiz tweeted, we're not changing his life wallet deal, but I'm going to get him some more deals. So <laughs> basically he got more money. Mm-hmm. It worked. Yeah. He did not enter the portal. But John Ruiz is, is not shy about this. Like he is saying, I am going to go get you. I'll give you a deal with Life Wallet right now. And Miami has a quarterback. And I don't believe the ACC has a rule like the SEC. The SEC has a rule that said if you weren't in the portal by February 1st, you can't play right. in another SEC school this year. Right. The ACC doesn't have that rule. So it's a good point. Same division, too. Yeah, I <laughs> that. That might be a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, like you, this is different than Nico or kids in this twenty three class. To you know, I mean, like this is a guy who has to be. This is straight up a business decision for for well, and, and Jordan Addison. You can't go to a place where you're like I pointed out the other night. Like this guy got one hundred and forty four targets last season and caught a hundred balls. Like he's going to want to go to a place that can can have that kind of an impact because he's trying to make it to the league. Well, if I were an NIL collective. Forget recruits. This is the guy you pay. Yeah. Like, this is who you back the truck up for. You know he's good. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I was thinking about this, Andy. Like, I I understand why this is upsetting to Pat Narduzzi and their coaches, and 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 to the fan base. And and there's almost a part of this where, 
like he like <clears throat> at this time a year ago, Jameson Williams was leaving Ohio State, and even that was like controversial, especially with where he ended up. But that, but, that it, was but even the fan base could be like, well, that's so okay. Talented there, right? Like, like there, there's like some guy. I think for a lot of people, it's like certain guys. It's acceptable if they leave, and certain guys, it's just not acceptable if they leave. And Jordan Addison yeah. is one of them. But we probably should have seen this coming. I mean, I think you could look at. You know, another one there, you can look at Jameer Gibbs going to Alabama. And, yes. and this is probably, that's probably one of those that should have warned us that this is kind of where this could go. Well, let me, where let me we, we've about talked Jameer. about that Alabama is not going to have holes in the lineup anymore, obviously, right? But if you're the best players in the country, and obviously Pitt had a hell of a year last year and could have a hell of a year this year. I'm not comparing Pitt to Georgia Tech, but I, I think you have to understand the best players in the country. We may just be heading in this direction where some, the, you know, when you hit the end of the season, you have a real conversation about, Yep, we're doing well here. Is this the best place I can be? It's very international soccer. Like, as soon as you prove you're good at a lower level, like, you are going to get bought by Manchester yeah. United. Like, yeah. that's just how it's going to go. Or Man City or Chelsea or whoever whoever has the, the biggest checkbook at the moment. I think Chelsea's being sold right now, so maybe not them. Okay. But the Jameer Gibbs thing's different than the Jordan Addison thing, though, because Jameer Gibbs could have gone to Alabama in high school and just chose mm-hmm. not to. Yep. And so he was rectifying that mistake. True. Like Jordan True. Addison, was that was not recruit. an option for him. Yep. He played his way into this option. It's a fair point. It's yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. I mean, I, I, I just think that we, I don't know. I, I, I wonder how much like a year from now, do you think this is going to change the way we talk about things? Where at the end of the season, is this going to be a little bit like basketball and mid majors where you're like, man, this guy really blew up. He's probably going to go in the portal yeah. and see what's out there. <laughs> Who's taking him now? I I do not and, to say and, Pitt's a mid major, but you know, I mean, in terms of the top talent in the sport, maybe things will go in this direction where well, guys the, will at least put their name in there to to be able to yeah. have these conversations. And the thing is, like the group of five coaches, I feel like expect it, like they they're accepting of it. If if you're at Coastal, if you're at Miami of Ohio, if you're you know at, at those schools, like you kind of expect that if you have a guy blow up, mm-hmm. they're gonna get either poached or attempted to be poached by one of these power five schools. If your pit is it backyard brawl is actually taking, I, I would say taking the brunt of this because West Virginia has, has gotten a situation where it feels like every time a, a player proves he's pretty good at West Virginia, like somebody swoops in. Right. And right. That's that, that's a little bit recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's gotta suck because those, those fans don't. Nobody view likes their being teams. a feeder school in this, yeah. and that's where and this they is don't going. view their teams as second division schools. Like, no. Pitt won the ACC last year. Yeah, almost won a New Year's Six bowl. Yeah, it it's it's uh it's frustrating, and I and I recognize too that the answer to this is also not to just like shout at Pitt. Well, pay him money. You know what I mean? Like, I, I it's not. We have to well, find. I, Different yeah, ways to I, talk about this collective thing than just saying like, "Hey, school that's losing this guy, like, stop being is, poor." You know, we that is to a solution. You know what another? It. You know what another solution is? Don't lose Mark Whipple to Nebraska. Well, like, that was, I mean, lose. yeah, that was his choice. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, but it's always the choice when the assistant leaves. But why did Brent Venable stay at Clemson so long? Because Clemson kept paying him. Like mm-hmm. they kept paying him more. So. I, I I know I've said this before on the podcast, and I know people hate it when I say it, but there are a lot of problems money can't solve. Love, satisfaction, pure, true joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. 
but there's a hell of a lot more problems that money can solve. <laughs> Coordinator leaving, best receiver leaving. You can solve both of those with money, but you didn't. Well, you know, I. But shouldn't shouldn't we shouldn't we keep that same energy though? If if you're upset, I mean, what Whipple and Brennan Marion did is is it that different than what Jordan Addison could do? Nope, not one bit. And that's that's why I'm not upset about it. And yeah, so like, you know. Everybody talks about, well, all you, you all screamed about all this, but you didn't have a plan. No, no, no. We said all along, come up with a better plan. Give them more all along. Give them a little. Give them some here. And, and the schools in the NCAA said, no, we're not going to. We're going to dig our heels in. Well, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. You got slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And now here you are. So you have to figure something else out. And... We just gave you a solution at the top of the show, a potential solution, if the schools and the, and, the, and the NCAA actually wanted to do it. And that would be change the severity of the tampering rule. Take right. tampering from, you know, petty larceny to capital to, murder. To show cause, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it, you, you do that, then maybe it would have, well, and you actually have to enforce it, and you actually have to enforce it in less than four or five years, but, and that's, and that's where we're at here, Max, because every time I get to that point mm-hmm. where I go, well, they could change the rule and then they could enforce it, but they'd have to enforce it more quickly than they do. Like, okay, they have to overhaul everything. They just do. They, they cannot continue to go on the way they've gone on. And I agree. See, here, everybody thinks because I wanted all this to happen with the players getting paid and all that, that I want it to be a completely unfettered system. You got to have some sort of structure. Right. But you got to right. make a structure that will not get you dragged into federal court. And it may be time to figure out what that structure is. We, we may look back on this period of time, however long it lasts, and be like, man, that was pretty wild when there was there oh, were yeah. no rules. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we, the thing exactly we can't sit happen. here today and say is, when is that gonna, when's this going to end? No. And, and here's the other part of it. Is it bad for the sport? Because Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So it's bad if you're Pitt and it's really bad if you're West Virginia and if you're, I'll say Arizona State too, even though Matt Berry, the reason your team is shedding players is not entirely because of NIL. It's, it's because the people in charge are not very good at what they're doing. But the, those schools are going to suffer. But I am wondering, is there, is there more of a spreading out of talent that's happening? Because I wrote that Texas A&M story last week and everybody's super mad about it still. And then you had the Florida guy saying that he's funding all, you know, he's going to fund the NIL and his, his fellow high value Gators are going to fund the NIL. Like these are, those are two schools that have not made the playoff, have not competed for national titles in, in well, A&M, not in a long, long time, but wasn't the complaint that it's the same three, four schools, now it might not be the same three, four schools, and it feels like everybody's complaining about that. Yeah, I, I don't. I've, I've had conversations with with staffers at schools that are not going to be in this big race here, you know. And I and I mm-hmm. think that they're. I find that part interesting too. I know that's not quite as sexy to talk about, like what's everybody else supposed to do. But I, I, this is kind oh, of oh no, it's that, a legit question. It, that, it, this is the problem that I think everyone is sort of having to grapple with. And there's, as you're seeing right now, there's lots of people saying, "Well, we're not really sure we want to get in the collective game, but we got to have something." 
we gotta we gotta be able to tell kids we have something and we're gonna well, gotta be able to do here, something here's my thing and i think it, it's if you I don't, don't know want, how this all shakes out in terms of how many schools want to, right? You know, play the life wallet game, and how many schools want to say, "Well, we're going to have kind of a, a a little operation here that takes care of our people, but is not not going to be able to take guys away from from Pitt for you know seven figures." Well, here's here's the deal. Who haven't all these schools been doing business and paying coaches lots of money and charging people for tickets and getting t- television money? Most of them with no aspirations of actually winning the national title. Correct. Yeah. Why not just keep doing that? <laughs> this does this does clarify that a tiny bit in terms of the yeah. haves and have-nots, and and also who who truly wants to go. But I'm not saying anyone would be wrong for you know what I mean. Like I think it's easy to I'm just not say either. like I, I don't I don't have a problem. I actually think schools should just be what they are. Exactly. Like it bothers me when when a school goes from FCS to FBS or tries to jump FBS conferences and say, well, here's what our athletics budget is. And their athletics budget comes from charging every student $16 a credit hour when none of those students care about athletics. Mm-hmm. And so you're just fleecing them. Yeah. You're just, you're robbing them essentially, or well, you're, you're hitting them with a hidden cost that they don't know about and, and aren't, aren't even thinking about and, and using that for your own personal benefit. So I don't, like, I don't have a problem if a school's like, you know what? Maybe we don't want to compete at this level. Well, but I, I, I think you know, there's different ways to look at that, though. I think that I'm, I'm interested to see as we get, you know, more of these collectives or nonprofits or however you want to set it up uh, together at these schools. I, I know that, the, the again, the sexy thing is, can you go out and sign the best 20, 23 recruits in the country right now? Certainly, there's a lot of bidding wars and things going on there. But... Don't you think that, and this goes back to Addison, don't you think that there are probably going to be some programs out there that, that understand we should be in the retention game here? We should be mm-hmm. taking care of who we got. Well, and guys, when this a Jordan is what Addison we're talking about breaks with, out, with let's give him reasons to not leave. Yeah, this is, this is what we're talking about with Dave Aranda last week. This is what Brock Purdy was talking about with, uh, with Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. Like, certain coaches are going to be better at that. I yeah. think Shane Beamer at South Carolina might be pretty good at that. Like, the, there are going to be coaches that their style will make it where a guy likes play. And and listen, there are a lot of people who will just go for the money and just go for the highest dollar amount they can. But that's not everybody. No. Sometimes if there's some money and you're happy, you might you be can okay still, with I, that. I want to believe, maybe I'm just being totally naive here, but I want to believe at a lot of places you can still hold on to guys through great genuine relationships and and some money and taking care of them and doing some right. of those things for them. But I want to believe that you can you can still achieve that. And I'm not saying Jordan Addison didn't have those or or that he's a bad guy for chasing this at all. I've just I would like to I, I hope we can live in a world in which uh you know the the coaches get it and do enough so that those kind of players um you know aren't aren't tempted. Yeah. And and we'll see what happens here. Now, I will say with USC, you, you did mention they've taken quite a few receivers out of the portal. If, if Jordan Addison ends up at USC, that's obviously another great weapon for them. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't somebody tap Lincoln Riley on the shoulder and be like, uh, if you're going to do this with these guys, like, how about a lineman or two? <laughs> yeah. Have you not watched the tape of USC over the last few years? Like, good receivers and decent quarterback play ain't your problem. 
You know, you often hear these coaches, it's very cliche to be like, oh, I didn't watch the tape from last year. Um, you know, I want to give these guys a, a clean clean slate, fresh start, all that. Probably should watch the tape from last year at USC yes. and figure out what are we bad at here. Yeah, uh, why, why, why are you not trying to poach the best offensive lineman from – from the schools like Pitt or the schools like West Virginia or wherever, you, you know, you want to poach K-State. I don't know. Whoever you want to poach from. Like, you know, if you're the GM of a program, Andy, I'm, I'm guessing you would you would be paying handsomely. This feels like Matt Millen, line, which, is, which was always weird for me when Matt Millen would, would just continue taking receivers when he was the, the GM of the Lions. Because mm-hmm. Matt Millen was a lineman <laughs> and understood how important <laughs> line play was. So... It it is very strange to me, but yes, I, I I do think maybe somebody needs to read my uh my study of bust rates and whatnot. Well, that was five star recruits. This is mm-hmm. this is transfer transfers. You don't really need to worry about bust rates. Like you know they're good. You you would so, you, at your school you would set up the hog molly fund or something like that. Yeah, and your guys would be well fed and well compensated for three to four years. I I, I will say this though, Max. I actually think offensive linemen. For the as as a personality trait group, might be more loyal. Mm. Could Your be. entire job is to protect anonymously. Yeah, that person may not be as easy to to pry away as someone who basically their job is to be a diva. Well, and and the draft bears us out, and recruiting bears us out. Bruce wrote a great piece about this a couple of years ago. But man, it is really hard to hit on offensive line evaluations, and so that's mm-hmm. where. I think if I were throwing around NIL money on portal guys, yeah, you would want if you can go find experienced guys. Doesn't mean they're necessarily the the, the top level talent you want in your conference, but if you can find experienced guys, um, you know that th- those are extremely coveted. We saw obviously Oshawn Mathis going to Nebraska this weekend is a big one in terms of you know one of the the, the top players in the portal. But um, yeah, those O line and D line guys that are legit. Um, and there's another one that just went in this weekend, uh, Jermaine Lole from Arizona State. Arizona State again. Um, he, I think he will probably replace, uh, he, he'll probably be number two on my best available list here behind Jordan Addison whenever uh, Jordan Addison decides to go in the portal. Which is not yet, according not to... Not yet uh, still. Nope. With the information that we, we, we received while recording the podcast. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it will have happened by the time you hear this podcast, but not yet. We'll be right back after these words. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You mentioned this the other day in our, our Slack group chat. Can you explain to dear listeners how this process will work in terms of when these names might actually get into the portal and yeah. when, because the deadline is Sunday, May 1st mm-hmm. to be in the portal or to, to have requested to be in the portal, but we'll, we won't hear about all of them immediately, right? Yeah, I, I so just the, the the basic way to sum it up is that um, the the May one deadline is that a player's got to you know put it in writing to basically the compliance department at their school that hey I please put my name in the transfer portal. From that point in time, um, you know the the compliance folks they have um, up to up to forty eight hours to go put you in there. So we may still see some names pop up here uh, May second, May third potentially that 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 go in. Now those 
players will probably tweet it before then, I would think. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I, if you know, as you go to bed Sunday night, if a guy's not in the portal, I, I wouldn't necessarily say you're sleeping easy as a fan because there may still be some that pop up these next couple of days. But we're, we're in an interesting time here, too, with this, Andy, because um, the supply and demand's a little little off. Um, there's... Mm-hmm. There's schools that are definitely saving room, and you've heard Lincoln Riley and others say it they, that they're looking to add more guys or more bodies or whatever this summer. And I would say honestly, over the last three weeks, the the names that are popping up in the portal, with kind of few exceptions, it's a lot of those players that are kind of getting purged off your roster. You know that, right. that they're having the exit meeting with the coach, and the coach is telling them, "Look, you're probably not going to play here." These are guys that just don't have much playing time over the past couple of years. So there's a lot of players out there. Like you're kind of having to turn over rocks here a little bit in terms of finding some guys. And um, I've heard Plus from a couple people like, "Oh, we've got this need at like tight end." It's like, yeah, a lot of people do. There's not, not guys find, out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, well, I I was at the, Florida spring game. Their their yeah. clear needs right now are linebacker and, and receiver. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like they're in on Addison, but who knows? Uh, Hugh Hathcock, the name of the the guy who yeah. the the donor who is funding the big fund. Who if if he gets into you know springs in action, maybe they got a shot, but uh, it doesn't sound like they do. But I think and, there's the the players going in right now are probably going to have some pretty good opportunities because there's still a lot of spots out there. Uh, there's just not a lot of you know Addison's a big name certainly, but there's not necessarily a ton of these like all conference studs that are that are in the portal available right now now maybe that'll change in the next 48 hours but um there's gonna be a lot of competition over um, a lot of players that there, there just aren't a ton of them that you would say like man that's the the perfect guy we need in terms of a starter level guy i do wonder like last year now jermaine johnson transferred in time for spring practice last year and, and went through spring at florida state yeah can you imagine a guy like that hitting the portal today mm-hmm where everybody knew he was good, like people had recruited him at, at a community college. So, that, but when he signed with Georgia, they knew he was good. That's the one I, I can, you know. Jordan Addison is is a is an example too, but it seems like that's more targeted, which yeah. is part of the issue that we're going to wind up discussing here over the next few weeks. But for sure, imagine if it was just a case of a guy like Jermaine Johnson who goes, "I want to be an every down player. I can't do that here. I'm open for business." Like. Every school in the country would have come after him. <laughs> yeah. Hard. I, I, I remember last uh, summer, probably close to around this time, um, uh, Bruce and I were putting together our rankings of the, the the most impactful transfers going into the 21 season. I remember asking you, hey, what, you, you know, you, you coached the spring game. What do you <laughs> yeah. think of Jermaine Johnson? And you're like, oh, he's their best player on defense. Like, one, I saw one <laughs> warm-up rep and I, and I knew one. Yeah. Like, it, he, he, he he was he was going against one of their starting offensive tackles and he just it was one of those where you, you just kind of explode out and get your hands into the guy and i'm like nope best player on the team not even close <laughs> like that's him well and and you know those those florida state linemen they're they're elite so you got to you know that helps with the evaluation <laughs> Stop but Stop it. He was he was ranked 34th in last year's cycle according to 24/7 and i mean good for him turn turns the turner into a first rounder and just saying yeah. I know we can all sit here and say, man, you left Georgia. You could have got a ring and all that. But that that's a guy that looked at his situation and said, uh, you know, go somewhere else, get a lot more reps. I could I could play my way into, you know, being a big time pick. So this is a good time to pivot this discussion because I do want to talk about this before we go. The draft uh, wrapped up on Saturday. As usual, the SEC had the most draft picks. But almost half of the SEC's draft picks came from Georgia and LSU. And the Georgia thing's not surprising. They set a record with 15 guys drafted. The LSU thing, they've been bad the last two years, but 
They still had some pretty good still players. Got some players still got some players. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it does help clarify a little bit that maybe, um, you know, maybe some of the coordinator hires maybe maybe weren't weren't ideal over the last two right. years there. Um, but yeah, certainly still a ton of respect for LSU and the Georgia thing blew my, I mean, you expect it, like, you, you know, these guys are getting picked and stuff, but it still blew my mind. You go look at their, uh, 2018 recruiting class, which is number one in the country at the time. It was number one in the re-rank we did a couple months yeah. ago. Um, obviously super loaded, but when you, when you take the players in that plus Justin Fields and Cade Mays, they had 14 guys in one recruiting class get drafted already. Yeah, it is, uh. It's it's astounding, and you know, it wasn't uh, Tyson Campbell was also in that class, right? Yep, yep. And and he went number Nojalari and some guys, or two, yeah, guys thirty three. Yeah, yeah. Golly, it is it is crazy, and they're going to have more. I mean, Jalen Carter, probably a first round pick next year. I know it's it, you're going to hear I like two hundred guys already getting that hype. Yeah, yeah. See, Nolan Smith hasn't produced that way yet, so that right. that one I I I, I got to see it. But like Jalen Carter, I believe it immediately. Like mm-hmm. if Jalen Carter is not a top yeah. 10 pick, I'll be shocked. So, yep. and I, I realize that we're going to probably give you 200 names of people we say are locks for first round picks. Like, weren't we talking about Jalen, Jalen Weidermeyer's potential first round pick this time last year? Didn't even get drafted. It's hard to get drafted. A&M. I, you look at the undrafted list and I don't, you know, I don't judge those kids for making their moves or whatever, but like, man, there's some like big names that we, you know, we talk about a lot. Uh, over the course of a cultural ball season that just don't get picked. It's it, it's crazy. I mean, you, you do appreciate part of that is in those late rounds. They're looking for some of those, you know, lower level gems and stuff like that. Um, but man, there's some really good players that didn't get picked. Well, yesterday. hey, our guy Brock Purdy, the least irrelevant Mr. Irrelevant of all time. Although right. I guess Ryan Suckup is the most successful Mr. Irrelevant. Is, he? is that so the far. is that the gold standard? I think so. I mean, he's a starting kicker on a on a, a Super Bowl team, a Super mm-hmm. Bowl winning team. So you, you maybe, went and watch Brock train. You feel like he's got a, got a shot to stick around. I think Brock will be in the league for a few years. I, I, I think he's going to get paid by NFL teams to be a backup. And, and he's a smart guy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know how he works. Like, yep. I think he may, I don't know that he's gonna be able to do the chase Daniel model, which I mean, chase Daniel is going to craft a, like an 18 year NFL career for himself. Basically from what I was told, the way chase Daniel does it, is he gets on a roster and he figures out what the starter likes and wants and, and says, how can I make your life easier? What can I do in the meeting room, on the practice field to make your life easier? And I then he's got... Like you bring, bringing him coffee and stuff? like Not, just, not like that. Just like, <laughs> you know, I can break this down for you so you can see it easier. Or I can, you know, if, if there's a drill you want me to run that you hate running... I, I can, and basically, you you get the most powerful person in the organization to be your your biggest advocate, which is I like that pretty smart. That's um, very smart. Yeah, so you you make yourself invaluable. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the the Big Ten only five fewer than the SEC, and I do wonder as the Big Ten money wise, they're you know they're already a little probably a little above the SEC. And it depends on the school because obviously a lot of the SEC schools sell a lot of tickets, get a lot of donations. So, uh, you know, not individually every school ahead of the SEC just because the the conference wide one is. But uh, I do think there may be a year at some point where the Big Ten surpasses the SEC in draft picks. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, well per capita because the SEC is obviously bringing in per, two more teams on a per school basis. Yeah. You mean? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's I think it's possible. 
I don't know that it wouldn't it wouldn't be an every year thing, but I do think it's going to be possible that that, that happens. Uh, the Big Twelve with twenty five, which that that they had no first rounders, they came back. I still have this, and, and you've heard me say this on the podcast a couple of times, Max. I think when Texas and Oklahoma get to the SEC, they're going to be able to draft be- or to recruit better linemen because I think I think linemen don't want to play in the in the Big Twelve. Nick Benito was the first Big Twelve lineman to go, and you know, that was deep into the second round. So I just, I, I think, I think that's going to change for them. The sorry, Texas sorry, thing. There's just a, there's just a transfer commitment. You know, oh, just, that's just how this goes, you know? Oh, yeah. Are, are, are we, are we allowed to, to release yeah. it yet? Or uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Minnesota running back Marquise Bucky Irving. Oh yeah. Player. He's Great on name. our, he's in our uh, best available top 10 has committed to Oregon. Ooh, well, replacing uh, Travis Dye, who's gone to USC. Where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> not was, a lineman. Also I, not a lineman. I turned on the uh, – I did watch the um, – did you watch a lot of spring games? This this yeah. It's okay if you didn't. We're, we're busy. Uh, I, I did. Oh, yeah. I, I said Nick Medino deep in the second round, by the way. Not deep in the second round. No. Oh, yeah, uh, no. He was the 32nd pick of the second round. I, I saw pick 32. I was like, oh, never mind. He was early. No, no. He was very deep in the second round. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, okay. I, I was going to say, I watched, I, I watched the USC. Um, I, I did watch the USC spring game. I did too. Or at least the first half of it. And, um, it was funny the on the play by play of it, it really was like transfer fakes the handoff to transfer throws to transfer tackled by transfer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, clearly- I'm excited to see how it all fits together this year. I, do you yeah. think if they add Addison, are you, you know, that there's going to be people being like. Oh shit! That's a playoff team now. Do you, do you, are you there yet, or do you feel like let's give them a year? Again, nobody wearing a fifty, sixty, or seventy number that that they're yanking out. Unless they do, you know, the week is young, so yeah. Yeah. perhaps they do. But that's my problem there: fifty, sixty, seventies, and nineties. Like, where are those guys? So. Because I, I mean, I want, I want them to beef up their D line too. That's that's been been an issue as well. Uh, they had a first. Remember, the first receiver taken in this draft played for USC. Like he did. Freak show. Good receivers have not been their problem. Michael Pittman Jr. played for USC. Like they have had good receivers. Yeah, yeah. It's man. I, is there is there a part of this as, as much as there's all this hand wringing about you know the way that this would go down if Jordan Addison goes to USC and I, and I don't know maybe maybe if can Narduzzi bully Lincoln Riley into not taking Jordan Addison I'm not sure he really can. no but if if Jordan if Jordan Addison had just said hey I'm available yeah and and had you know 18 teams courting him I think it would be viewed. Better than correct. this, yeah, correct. But do you, once if if this happens, then I I don't know. I I suppose we probably do also need to acknowledge like Caleb Williams t- throwing to Jordan Addison would be pretty damn cool to watch. It would be. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. And, and I know I know it's ruining the sport, but it could also be fun to watch. It it also at a school that has not made the playoffs since the playoff has has existed. Mm-hmm. So true. again, I know. We're mad about this, but it's not good for your bet either, is it? It may. Oh no, I'm not worried about my. I'm going to win my bet. 
<laughs> I am going to win that. I know psychologically the bet's uh, unless, pretty big for Ari. So unless they, I, that's why they I bring pull a guard, a center, and a tackle out of the out of the portal who are really, really good, who are all conference or, or award winners Yeah. in the next few days. I'm not worried about my bet. <laughs> like this is 2022 is one safe year. And then I got 23 and 24 to get through. Okay. So okay. the big 12, by the way, 25 players drafted. How many from the, the university of Texas? Zero. Zero. That'd be a zero, which zero. I, I wasn't surprised by. Josh Thompson was probably the only guy that, that probably had a chance to get Dicker the kicker, pick, man. But, and Dicker to be the kicker. a yeah. UDF, UDFA. Yeah. Um, you know who you know who did well though? Who's that? Cincinnati did well. Houston did mm-hmm. well. They're they're gonna Good for put the league. Some players in the league. Good for the league. Baylor did really well. Yes. Oklahoma, as usual. Um, but the Texas thing is interesting to me because a lot of times we ha- we wind up getting into the same circular chicken and egg argument about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. We don't with Texas. We don't have to, because we know Texas has had the highest recruiting rankings of any big 12 team over the last 10 years. Right. It's the chicken. Yeah. It ain't the egg's fault. (laughs) It's the chicken. Yeah. I think that, yeah, there's plenty of data that that shows you, you know, the other schools that signed that many four-star players, five-star players, um, you know, what's the rate of turning them into draft picks? It it just ain't the same at Texas. And you can. You what can, are you? There's, okay, there's a lot, what, a lot it, of ways to unpeel, you know, is, to unpeel. Ari that. asked this too. Yeah, and, and on, I, like I asked in Arnold honor of Richardson Ari's wedding, this. we probably could just talk about Texas for an hour here. I, I, that we, might upset him, but we could. But I asked Anwar Richardson. We had him on a couple weeks ago. He covers that team very closely. Like, what the hell are they doing that they can't fall ass backward into a couple of draft picks? Yeah. I, I wrote about that a couple of years ago uh, from covering a, a Texas pro day that was just like, you know, there's just been a bunch, a bunch of year of these where you go to them and you're just like, this is not really a big event. Like there's not all these head coaches coming in and stuff. And I remember asking, um, I think I asked John Bianco or somebody like, when do you think this is going to be like a big deal again? And, there, and I think he said like, well, probably like when Sam Ellinger's, you know, going pro, then it will be. And I think, but that may have been the year with, with the, the, the pandemic screwed it up. Right. Or no. Ellinger was no, no Ellinger's draft one. was last yeah, year. He had a regular one. So, you know, I guess the answer you could you could again look forward and say, okay, well, next year when Bijan goes pro, then that'll be that pro day will be a big deal. But man, there's just turning turning really good players into even mid-round picks is is like one of those steps that Texas just has to take at some point to become relevant again or, or to become consistently irrelevant. That would be maddening for me if I was a Texas fan. Yeah. Maddening. Like because Charlie Strong made draft picks at Louisville, mm-hmm. but then couldn't make them at Texas. And the you know, the weird thing is, too, there's kind of a perception thing with this as, as well. I think that goes with it because there's it's it's a it's a weird compliment to give, but it's true. Texas has had a lot of undrafted guys actually make it in the league and make it for quite a while in the league Puna. too. Puna, right. Puna Ford's one of my favorite players for sure. Period. For sure. Like, couldn't so believe he didn't get drafted. There's there's probably an NFL perception of this too that thinks like you know don't draft these Texas guys and then they end up making it longer in the league than you'd think they would. So yeah. it's not necessarily that the talent is awful, but there's there's clearly a couple things wrong there in in the development piece. Yeah, that's and that's what they got to get fixed. I wrote about it last year where I just put the numbers up. Of, of the guys they put in the draft versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma had doubled them up for over a 10-year period, and Alabama and Ohio State had had tripled them up over a 10-year period. Like, 
there's no, you know why Jeff Okuda is leaving the state to go to Ohio State. It's yeah. not, you know why Jackson Smith and Jig was going to Ohio State. Right. Why would you go there? Yeah. No, it's it's true. It, it That, when you're not getting guys drafted, then that, yeah, it, it, it just keeps kind of this this nasty uh, cycle from, from, you know, it just keeps going where, yeah, of course, these guys leave the state or go to A&M or whatever because they know, well, Texas isn't getting guys drafted. And I'm sure that that has factored, you know, Garrett Wilson and all these guys, I'm sure it's factored into their decision for a long time that, you know, I, I remember him even saying that when he was a recruit that, man, I know a lot of guys that went to Texas and didn't get anywhere. Yeah, it's just... It, I, I feel bad at this point for Texas fans because that's a piece of information that can be so weaponized in recruiting mm-hmm. that it is. And there's nothing you can say or do about it other right. than maybe next year produce some draft picks. Right. No. Yeah. You can you can always sell the hope that, hey, we're we're just a couple pieces away from maybe, you know, making a run at the conference title and maybe being a playoff. You can always you're always selling that at Texas, whether it's a new coach that's one year in or three years in or just got hired. But uh, yeah, the draft thing is it's hard to, it's hard to spin. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know what you do. I feel bad for Steve Sarkeesian who walked into that situation and now must fix it. Now he's getting paid handsomely to do it. So go do yes. it. But that's, that's the problem right now. And you, you kind of wonder now is are the, the players they're getting, even though the, the recruiting ranking is fairly high, are they getting the ones the Alabamas and the Ohio States just sort of like, eh, we don't really want you anyway? Hey, this is one of the things that I, I know I'm not disputing that stars matter and that, you know, recruiting great classes is is super, super important to staying relevant. But um, one of the underrated traits of good programs, Andy, can you take the people you've got and get as much as you possibly can out of them? And there's mm-hmm. some schools that just aren't very good at that. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to have to see what they do because this is – this is bordering on epidemic at Texas. Like a zero here is bad. And like now Bijan's a running back. He's got otherworldly talent, but running backs are not valued the way they were. So yeah, it wouldn't, he may wouldn't not be, be his fault if he's not a first rounder. Right. Certainly. Exactly. We saw that with Brees Hall this year. Yeah. I mean, Xavier Worthy two years from now could be a first round type talent. Mm-hmm. And he is, he does play a position they value, but you got to get him there. So get get them there because if you don't, when you get in the SEC and you got LSU that's sitting there at 500 getting like 94 guys drafted, yeah. it's going to be a long, long season. Right. This, but this is, this goes back to something we've talked about before with the, with the collectives topic is, um, you know, you can, you can, if the people who have the most money um, can go out and get the best players. That's true. You still gotta still gotta do something with them. But you also have to target the right players. So you do. Listen, we'll see what happens to Jordan Addison. You you may have heard something at the beginning of this show. If there's further information on Jordan Addison that we can we can provide before this. He's not in the portal at the end of this podcast. I'm pretty sure he'll probably be in the portal by the time by the time you hear this. Yeah. Yes. So we'll 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 let you know on that. But again. Until I see some 50, 60, and 70 numbers. <laughs> you got to be able to pick them, too. That, that hadn't changed. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But thank you for listening. Uh, Max, I will see you in uh, lovely Arizona. There'll see be a cactus soon. with us the next time we see each other. Beautiful. And uh, we'll probably be talking about this a lot this week. So expect uh, your Portal Authority, Max Olson, 
to be a frequent, frequent guest. We'll talk to you soon.